He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney, he is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, November 27, 2021. Happy Thanksgiving Day weekend. Our troubadour has the perfect song, I Give Thanks. This show dedicated to the embattled city of Aurora. My sometimes golf home, Aurora Hills, Saddle Rock, but mainly Meadow Hills. My gosh, I spent a lot of time at Meadow Hills. I worked there. I won a club championship there back in 1979. That was thrilling. And it was a thrill for a while to work in Aurora at a radio station named 710 KNUS. But then it became bad. With the arrival of Donald Trump, he revealed things that to me are ugly. Ugly about KNUS, ugly about talk radio. And we've got problems as a result. I still am concerned about Aurora. My God, the shootings, the mayhem, the tragedies they've endured. Mike Kaufman, who I know is mayor of Aurora, he won by about a couple hundred votes over Omar Montgomery, who still has a big political future in Aurora. He is head of the Aurora chapter of the NAACP, and he is my guest, and he's a wonderful interview. After that, I'm going to talk about 710 KNUS, the talk station where you can't talk about much. First of all, they have Peter Boyles running the place. And as a boss and as a talk show host, he's a guy who cannot have a true conversation. All he wants is people to parrot back and giggle back. And I was never that way, and I survived for a while in that environment. But then... I wanted to go other places, and as I said on CNN and other places, they would not talk about impeachment. I thought Donald Trump revealed himself with the Ukrainian situation, needed to be gone, and I said so on my three-hour radio show. But then I stopped getting invited on other shows. I wanted to debate the subject. I still do. Donald Trump should have been gone. Impeachment one, then impeachment two. And he should be 86th from the national political scene right now, but it's not happening, is it? Because he's buttressed by talk radio, Fox News, and it's ruining the country. Over there at KNUS and other uh, aspects of Denver Trump Radio, it's nonstop in the things that they avoid. Like this lawsuit filed against Salem Media, KNUS, and Randy Corcoran. Have you heard word one spoken about that on AM radio? Not just on KNUS, what about the other channels? This is the big story of our times, the big lie. January 6th that flowed from that, they can't talk about it. And I've got the proof. Lawsuit's been filed. Westward had a good headline. This could wreck that radio station. And they deserve it for giving that much airplay to Joe Altman and... Donald Trump glommed on to this bullshit conspiracy theory against Dominion 
out of Denver, and there's Denver Trump Radio. They cannot say word one about Donald Trump or the big lie or January 6th. What kind of talk radio is that? It's bullshit talk radio, and I make the case right after you hear from Omar Montgomery and later our troubadour with I Give Thanks. And oh, by the way, who's the guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge? It's a special. It's me, my son Sam, who may be a lawyer someday. He introduces me, and then I do a legal analysis of what happened on Can US, Denver Trump Radio, and why nobody in AM radio will talk about this lawsuit when it is so darn interesting. And I've got the proof they've been ordered not to say anything. Thanks for joining me today. We will be right back with Omar Montgomery. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. (laughs) Now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at mblaw.com. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hello. Omar Montgomery, thanks a lot for being on my podcast. Hey, thank you for the invitation. How are you doing today? Good. Happy Thanksgiving Day's weekend. I hope you're having a good one. So far, so good. Good. Well, I sure appreciate you coming on. I want to talk about Aurora. It's okay. been an important city in my life. I've never actually lived in Aurora, always lived within a couple of miles. I'm a Southeast Denver guy, George Washington High School. But I worked in Aurora at uh, Meadow oh. Hills Golf Club when a, when a great, transition. Great golf course. Great Ain't that something? Course. Yeah, we had our state high school championship at uh, Aurora Hills. Not a good memory because I did not play well, but (laughs) I have a lot of golf memories in Aurora. And then uh, a chunk of my radio career was in Aurora, as you think about it, Parker 225, what I call Denver Trump Radio now. It's unfortunate, even as we speak, one of their biggest uh, acolytes, Lauren Boebert, is in the news. We will get to her. We'll get to all sorts of current events, but you are an expert on Aurora, and I assume you're an expert on Omar Montgomery. Tell us about yourself. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me on the show. Um, Truly appreciate you making time. Uh, Omar Montgomery. Um, Omar Montgomery is originally from Los Angeles, California. I moved to Colorado in 2002. I've always been an educator. I taught in Long Beach Unified School District, and 
um, taught at the University of Colorado Denver, Metropolitan State University, as well as California State University of Long Beach. And currently, I am the Director of Equity, Culture, Community Engagement for Cherry Creek School District and still teach in the Political Science Department at CU Denver. I have an amazing family. I have, um, you know, I, I have a beautiful partner. She's amazing. Um, Regina Edmondson, and I have an amazing son, Evan Edmondson. And then I got w what I call my adopted son crew, who's who I love them so dearly, um, Lawrence Henderson and um, Marlon Sango. And so, you know, I have a very rich family. My mother, when I say rich, I'm talking about in spirit and love, definitely not in finances. But um, my Come on, um, I thought father, everybody in Southern California has big bank um no because actually our homeless rate is much greater than <laughs> greater than the denver metro region right. so definitely not the case but I, I say that to say that my mother and father are still with me and um enjoy having them in my life and um that's pretty much it i'm president of the aurora branch of the naacp and I try to be a servant leader. I try to be a humble leader and try to do what I can to um, support those who at, at times don't have a voice when it comes to our mainstream structures in society. See, I would have introduced you another way, but I'm sure you did it the best. You came to my attention and a lot of people when you came within a whisker of winning the job <laughs> of Aurora Mayor. I mean, yes. that election was close. What did you lose by? A couple hundred votes? Yeah, it was about 213 votes. Well, why don't you take that to the streets and then to the courts? And, you know, Jen Ellis, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, what's wrong with you, Omar? Why concede that close of an election? There's got to be fraud. I tell you, there's fraud. <laughs> you know, um, when we looked at the numbers and looked at the ballots that could be cured, and looked at the fact that if you contest the election, you have to do it with all three counties. Um, a lot of people think that you could just do it for one county. If you contest an election in the city of Aurora, you have to um, contest it with um, Adams County, Arapahoe County, and Douglas County. Yeah, I, just, takes, learned, um, I just learned about Douglas County having, what, about less than 1% of Aurora, but... Now the yep. new city council, their conservative members are saying, I know to mask mandates because, hey, we're conservative and we can. Well, I think um, the no the mask, um, um, no to mask mandates, um, I, you know, I, when I think about that, um, I began to think about the health of our um, youth, the health of our um seniors, the health of those who are unvaccinated. And we need to do something because if you look at the math and you look at our beds, um, I think it has been rumored that by the beginning of January that the Denver metro region uh, or even the state of Colorado may be out of beds for emergency use, meaning that people who either should have wore a mask or possibly got vaccinated, um, we could reduce those numbers tremendously. Um, I, I think that I, I just came back from the mall. And, um, Aurora Mall? It's Black Friday. No, I was at the um, Park Meadows Mall, and I was at other places. And it's so many people that's crowded. 
you have a lot of people that's not wearing masks. I'm sure not all those people are vaccinated. I'm sure some of them people have some high risk factors, but I think people have just gone back to their everyday life and not have looked at um, the impact this virus is having. Then today, they're talking about a new variant that's coming out of South Africa that's supposed to be extremely, um, supposed to be bad. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and may get around the vaccines. It it sounds horrible, but... Like, I'm not an expert on COVID, but you and I follow politics, and it just seems to me it was an overreach for these city councilmen, conservatives. They got elected. seems to me Aurora can't find the right political balance. Uh, You got communists, socialists on one side. You got right-wing radicals. At least I know you a little bit, and Mike Kaufman, I think you guys are probably— both part of this sensible middle. Am I right? That's why it was so close. <laughs> I think um, we look at things according to the facts and not so much by political party. Yes, political party will shape some of our decision making. We, we, we can't deny that. But at the same time, if you look at the facts and you look at what people are asking for, if you just be in tune with the community then you're not just blinded by your political philosophy. You're doing doing what's in the best interest of the people. So I I try to listen to the people and not just be blinded by political party or political. It sounds like you're running again. When's when's the election (laughs) coming up again? I think for mayor's 2023. I bet um, you know that exactly. (laughs) How do you get along with Mayor Kaufman? Mary Kaufman and I have a good relationship. Uh, we talk from uh, time to time about um, critical issues uh, related to the city. Um, we don't always fall on the same side of decision making, but he, he'll reach out. And every now and then I'll reach out to him and we'll brainstorm and go from there. And here's why I think you have a good chance. Uh, Aurora's not doing well. They're sort of like the Detroit Lions right now. It's sad. I like Aurora. It's my neighbor, uh, but the violence there, the mayhem of late, Elijah McClain, wow, that trial's going to be something. And uh, Aurora's just dogged by incidents of violence. Uh, what do you make of the mayhem in Aurora? Is it, is it political? Is there political blame to go around, or, or, or what's going on here, Omar? I don't think there's political blame to go around, but I think we have to begin to look at what are the solutions. And if people are not willing to step up and have critical conversations about the solutions, regardless of political party, our city is going to continue to suffer. There's an organization we we have, and and I said this, we, people talk about the food desert. We have a youth centered desert. We don't have places where our youth can go, be their authentic selves, and be safe. You have to pay to go to the rec center, so that's not a good Well, place. now educate me, because I kind of know around Denver, but I'm thinking about it, and I was a hoopster. I know outdoor parks like Del Mar Park and Aurora, but are you saying uh, there just aren't the Cook Recreation Centers and the, the Madison Center on Colfax, the things we take for granted in Denver do not exist yes. in Aurora? Do not exist. Um, 
when I say do not exist, it means that there's these little places like you can go to possibly, and I don't mean to uh, diminish the impact these places are having. You have a few small places where you can go. You can go to the Dayton Opportunity Center. You can go to um, the Village Exchange Center, which I'm on their board. They're doing amazing work. They mostly work with uh, immigrant and refugee populations, but anybody's welcome to go. But we wait, is there a good hoop court there? That's what I was looking for when oh, I was a teenager. Every weekend, park, I want to go play there's hoop. hoop. Park. Wait, there's hoop park, but what we need is a place that's a youth center that have wraparound services. Let's begin to think about what our youth are going through. They, they're, they're dealing with mental health issues. They're dealing with gang violence. Some of them are, dealing, are even being traumatized by just their everyday surroundings at home. There's no place for them to go. A large place where they, they go, where it's safe, where people understand the gang culture so they can keep it safe, and it's open late hours. We need it to be open to almost midnight. Because when you begin to look at some of the youth that are on the street, they're on the street even at 14. Now, I don't know how this happens, but I know when I was 14 or 15, I had the answer where I was when the street lights went down. But that's not, that does, that's not always the case today. And we need a place, several places throughout the city of Aurora. I would prefer one or two in each ward that stay open till midnight where kids who are going through um, whatever trauma they're going through, they can go there, someone can listen to them, because right now they're turning to social medias, they're turning to guns, they get violent, and there's really not a place where they can go and have those critical discussions and help people de-escalate whatever tensions are out there so violence will not be the answer for it. Well, it sounds like a good idea, but how can you make it happen? Where are you going to get the property? Where does the money come from? You know, um, I, you know, there are some, there are some, not, there, there are some empty properties that are owned by the city. Um, we have developers that are coming here to the city. I think one, um, we asked some of the developers that's building a lot of these new properties that's making a great deal of money to invest and some of these um, things that we need in the city. And then we take some of those empty properties that we have and give them to the nonprofits that specialize in this type of work. And, um, and let's make sure that when we begin to talk about all this grant money that's coming from the federal government, that some of these nonprofits are at the top of the list, have access to these resources. So it's not a whole lot of financial debt to the city. The nonprofits can manage themselves and work with the city and work with um, the youth violence prevention officer. There's a young lady that that's there in the city of Aurora. They just need to take the handcuffs off her and let her do the work. And that's Christina doing amazing work. But she has to go through a lot of bureaucracy in order for her to get the work done. Take the handcuffs off her. Get the nonprofits the resources they need. And I think we can begin to have, um, uh, we can begin to reduce the violence in the city of Aurora. Like I pretended like everybody from Southern California are rich and famous, but I know that's not true. And I would not want to live there because it's too crowded, <laughs> traffic's horrible, and I would worry about violence. And uh, just right now over this weekend, the shocking 
incidents all over California of organized, probably on social media, attacks on upscale stores and Apple Store, Nordstrom's. I'm sure you heard about it. And yes, you no, they, are they, from, they do like, those grab well, and runs, those right, grab right. and runs. Yes. God forbid that starts happening in Colorado, right? And you left Southern California, and I assume there's a reason. Uh, we've seen a lot of Californians leave, and now we worry <laughs> that it's coming here. Should we be worried? I, don't, I think we should always be cautious, and it's not just California. It's, um, it's other major metropolitans as well. But I would also argue that we are in this place in society where violence and the lack of value of life is 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 national, not just in the state of California. I know it, but, but, but and I don't mean to get too personal. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's unrelated. Why did you leave Southern California? Oh, I I, I actually came here. Um, I was accepted into a PhD program. I only got to my ABD and then got involved in the community. I actually thought I was only going to be in Colorado for two years. But um, it's going on 20. (laughs) What did you do? You looked at the front range. You saw how beautiful it was. It's Federico Pena's story. He was on last week, and he saw he was going to California, stopped over at DU to visit his brother Alfredo, who was going to law school. Said wow, and then he never left. It was it's very similar. Um, one, the cost of living at the time when I moved here was much more reasonable for what year educator. was that? Two thousand two. Okay. And um, I, the apartment I rented um, had a two bed. It was two bedroom, two bath with a washer and dryer for about six hundred and some dollars. In Aurora in nice or Denver? A very nice neighborhood in Aurora. Uh-huh. And that same apartment in California would have been easily sixteen, seventeen hundred per month. And, and these and, days, with our inflation, are we up to California yet, or not even close? I think I think I, I think it's close to uh, in different parts of um, Southern California. Southern California is still extremely expensive. You probably have an average rent of between eighteen hundred to twenty five hundred, which is not that far off for um, Colorado, even for Aurora. When you begin to look at these new developments, and you begin to look at um, just housing prices in general, rent, leasing, we're pricing a lot of people out of the market which is why you're beginning to see an increase of what I call um, the working poor. And the working poor is our people have this stereotype that our unhoused is not working. Actually, many of them were working, living out their cars, um, or um, living in, 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 in situations that, you know, you're making decent money, but for uh, several it's different tough. reasons, whether it's credit, whether if it's you have a prior offense or you just flat out can't afford but it, I wanna, I wanna it's use difficult you, to live. I want to use you as a case study. You got yourself an apartment. You, yeah. Did you feel safer when you moved to Colorado than you felt in Southern California or about the same? Um, I would say I felt safer in um, Colorado. Um, not because I stayed in violent communities. It was when I was growing up, the different areas I grew up in were violent. As I became an adult, 
um, violence wasn't so much uh, I was worried about in um, California, but violence was still there. Here, when I moved here, the tension and the awareness, you know, your uh, your awareness of your surroundings and things of this nature, I really didn't have to worry about. Several times I left my car door unlocked, wasn't worried about anybody breaking into my car, wasn't worried about nobody breaking into my apartment. I stay in the house now. Yes, I know that they have home invasions out here. I know that they have people that uh, that break into homes. Fortunately, I haven't been a victim. And uh, and maybe it's me just letting my guard down. But to, to be honest with you, even with the increase in violence, I still feel the city of Aurora is extremely safe and the Denver metro region is still safe. Right, but boy, has Aurora had sensational crimes through the years, the Chuck E. Cheese massacre and then the Aurora yes. Theater massacre. Just yes. horrible events. Um, and I'm thinking about Seth Rogen, who said, hey, get over your car being broken into. I've had it happen 15 times in the last, I don't know, 10 years. I'm thinking, I I don't want to live in a community like that. That's why I was drawn to prosecution and stuff. Plus, I'm worried about Aurora, and I'm worried about Metro Denver, and I'm worried about America, because for the first time in my life, people are talking about leaving America. And people have left Southern California because they don't want to put up with traffic and crime and this and that. And People traffic, will vote, and But traffic. what I'm saying is, uh, once that starts happening, if good people leave Aurora or Denver or Southern California or America, God forbid, then you start losing some of your best and brightest, and it becomes a spiral toward uh, a downward spiral like a toilet. And I don't want that to happen. I think we're at a critical point in America, in Aurora, and if I'm raised in a high school kid and I see shootings at Hinckley, shootings at Central, unrelated, and then another shooting with a Greenwood officer shooting a 17-year-old in Aurora last night, what's going on? I, I don't have time to do a research project. Let's move to Estes Park or somewhere where <laughs> we don't have to face this. I I, I I think that is the sentiment of a lot of people. I, I, I would still argue. Um, cons- even with the increase in, in um, crime, the increase in violence, I still consider Aurora to be safe. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Aurora PD for um, many of these crimes have been solved. Um, of course, they still have to go through the judicial system. I think that also Aurora has the infrastructure to reduce a lot of the violent crime. If you go back to what I said earlier, Let's begin to get our youth centers in place. Let's make sure we have mental health services for adults, for our young adults, and for our youth. And, um, and, and let's begin to get those services in place as soon as possible. Let's get rid of the bureaucracy. Our youth violence um, director for the city of Aurora, Christina, let's take the handcuffs off her and let's begin to get... Um, Let's begin to um, provide the services that's needed to reduce crime. I would also say it's going to take some healing between our community and Aurora PD because it's not all Aurora PD. Our community also, and I'm talking about all of the city of Aurora, 
Um, we also have a responsibility in reducing crime as well. If you see something, report it so that we can get these people off the streets as soon as possible and that our um, cities can uh, be safe from those who are out there causing these crimes. Boy, Aurora PD. I've worked with them through the years. Another horrible crime. It actually happened in unincorporated Rappahoe County, but Aurora PD investigated it. The murder of Javad Marshall Fields and his fiancée Vivian Wolf, oh, Rhonda yes. Fields' son. Yes. I got called yes. right away. I was there at police headquarters. The Fields were understandably furious. But you talk about solving a complicated case. Aurora PD did that. Gretchen Fronapple in particular. I don't know if she's still there. I've met wonderful people in Aurora PD through the years, but the turnover now and if uh, somebody is inclined to go into law enforcement, say it's your son. You have sons, yes. I do. Would you say, well, you have a chance to go to Denver Police Department, Estes Park <laughs> Police Department, or Aurora Police Department? Why could you make the case for Aurora? The reason why I can make the case for Aurora is, in my personal opinion, I think with the consent decree, things are going to get a lot better. Um, I think the things that the um, state attorney general, Phil Weiser, and his investigative team outlined, as well as the other investigations that have been um, done on the city of Aurora, including the, the recommendations done by the Citizens Task Force um, that was put together. I think when you take all these recommendations, there's been a lot of common themes. The consent decree that the city council also just recently voted on this past city council meeting, meaning that I think we got some positive things to come when it comes to training. Can I push when back a little? To, Doesn't that mean you, people, you are, people are going to be looking over my shoulder if I work there? I don't want that. It's a tough enough job. I don't want the AG over my shoulder. <laughs> you're going to have to pay I, I, me. You're going to have to pay me a lot more. Does Aurora pay on par, or do they have to pay I think, more? I think I think that's part of the reasons why um, people are leaving. We're going to have to figure out how to equal the compensation of our neighboring public safety agencies, not just police, but also Or fire. you're going to get the worst of the crop. Well, I wouldn't say the worst. I would of say course. that we So why would somebody take you know less money to work in Aurora over Denver? I mean— Oh, I think Denver Denver pays a lot more. Their retirement plans, from yes. my understanding, is a little better. But you asked me to make the case, not so much which one is better. So I, I would still argue that um, with the consent decree, and I know you, your argument is that you don't want the attorney general um, over your head. I look at it differently. I think some of the best training some of the um, people being prepared with all the new training models that are out there is going to hit the city of Aurora, and I think we'll have better trained officers. I think they'll be better equipped and better prepared to deal with what is needed today to make our city safe. That's my personal opinion. All I can say is when Barack Obama and Eric Holder took, up, took over Ferguson with that kind of thing, I don't know that I wanted to move to Ferguson or have my kid join the department. But you you did make a great case. You could be a lawyer, I'm telling you, except uh, for the aggravation. Um, 
but apparently you put up with that stuff. I admire the NAACP. It's what, about you. 112 years old, one of the oldest organizations. I admire a group that can stay together. And they've been on the right side of history more times than not. I'm sure you could join a lot of different organizations. Why that one in particular? You know, the Aurora branch of the NAACP has a national brand. Has a, and as a national organization, that means that voice goes a long way. Our founder, founder um, Dr. Barbara Shannon Bannister, um, she put a lot of work into keeping the Aurora branch going. Um, we celebrated 30 years this year. We were actually founded in 1991. And within the 30 years, I think we've accomplished a lot. We have been, you know, doing what we can to hold different agencies and different organizations accountable, but also not just on that piece, but how do we give people the resources they need so that they can begin to advocate for themselves? That's some of the partnerships we've had with the ACLU, the ADL, and believe it or not, Aurora PD. Our youth worked with Aurora PD to put out a, a, a little booklet about knowing your rights. <laughs> so our youth um, were able to share that booklet for free with many of the youth in um, Aurora Public Schools and Cherry Creek Public Schools so that they know their rights if they're um, uh, if they have to engage law enforcement officers and also the appropriate way to engage so that it doesn't escalate. Um, so I, I, I have been extremely happy with what the Aurora branch of the NAACP has been able to accomplish this year. Um, just to give you two other quick things we've done, we gave our grants, business grants, and a partnership with the Village Exchange Center and the Wynn Foundation. We gave out business, small business grants to um, struggling small businesses during COVID. Now we have changed it and we're giving out small business grants to startups. Um, just this past holiday. Uh, tell me about this, up, this Wynn Foundation. Is that named after a guy named Wynn? Um, you know what? You're asking me about um, the Wynn Foundation, and I don't well, know that's the all right. history. I was just curious. I mean, when you give out this money, is it through contributions that people give or dues that are paid? I, um, this money is given. The, the Wynn Foundation has been the um, backer through the Village Exchange Center, and um, we partner with the Village Exchange Center to identify the small businesses that need these resources. And the Hispanic Chamber has come on board. We've given out probably close to $100,000 um, in grant money over the past couple of years, and we'll probably give out another thirty to 40000 by the end of this year. Well, God, God bless you for that. You brought up another venerable civil rights organization, one that I belong to, the Anti-Defamation League. Yes. And um, what kind of projects have you done with them? You know, really, one is we've had a Know Your Rights workshop that was done by um, people, uh, some of the um, some of the people that do that work with the ADL and actually former council member Nicole Johnston 
brought the ADL and the NAACP together where we did a video workshop on what to do when you're stopped. Um, you, when know, you know who I hold responsible and should get the credit for bringing blacks and Jews together more than that? ever before in modern times? You, you got to give the credit to Donald Trump, don't you? Because, <laughs> you know, that crew he riled up in Charlottesville, that yes. scared the crap out of us. And then that, didn't those guys with the tiki torches uh, oh, just yes. remind you? I watched Django Unchained last night with my kids. That was, and, and those morons with the, with the the clan back in the day and hating blacks and Jews and Catholics too. But blacks and Jews, we've been in it together for so long, experiencing hate by other majorities and it's it's good that we're together now to me you know you talk about politics mike kaufman you i like you both and i like mike kaufman because he's one of the few republicans who stood up to donald trump not ah. enough but more than most far more than most and to me politics comes down to this right now are you with trump or are you against him and i'm against him and the guys who are with them are those assholes in charlottesville it's on my mind because that verdict just came down respond yes. to what i'm saying blacks and jews i don't know if you interacted in southern california and there are some jews in aurora i don't know if there are any shoals there most of them are nearby but i i got that off my chest talk to me about relationships between blacks and jews i can tell you about the relationships i have Phil wiser um him and I talk quite often, and we talk about how do we, one, um, keep our state safe, um, our city safe, and especially the Denver metropolitan reason. We're always brainstorming on that, but more importantly, he invites my family to his house so that we can learn more about the Jewish culture. He goes to church with us and uh, learn more about the African-American culture or learn about the African culture when we do projects with Papa Dia. Um, Leora Joseph, another good friend of mine who um, used to be with the 18th Judicial District and is now working over at uh, Metropolitan State University. On, uh, no, she's working with AHEC. That's on that campus and has been to her house. And we all figure out, one, how do we prove the relationship between African-Americans and blacks? And two, how do we support each other in our endeavors when it comes to standing up for the voiceless and fighting against hate? So for me personally, um, I, I have been blessed to have these different people in our lives so that we is not just talk. It's actual relationships that's trying to figure out how to bridge this gap between both groups and at the same time do what we can to fight against hate and keep our city safe. I don't know if you heard about GW back in the day, but there were a lot of Jews there. And then with forced busing, a lot of blacks came and there were a lot of blacks, a lot of Jews, a lot of whites, and it was mm -hmm. combustible for a while. But I wouldn't trade my experience for the world. When we were ranked number one my junior year, I said we had the perfectly integrated basketball team, four whites, four blacks, and four Jews. You don't see that very often in America. But did you grow up with Jewish people around? It sounds like you're gaining experience from two incredible people, Lior Joseph and Phil Weiser. 
I love the way he expresses his Judaism. And if you've been in the wiser home, how authentic a Jewish home is that? Not that it's all that different, but we're just proud of our traditions. We're proud of our people. And uh, we love America. We want America to come together. I, I just, I've been shocked, and I'm pretty damn old now, to see how much bigotry has been revealed once Donald Trump opened that shit up. I, th- I think that the way you fight hate is with love. Uh, Jeremy Schaefer, who's with the um, ADL, um, uh, we've done projects with him. Um, we've, we've done, uh, uh, especially during COVID, where we talked about um, how do we reduce hate? How do we begin to bridge gaps between these different groups? Working with the Mizell Institute, um, to me, when people see us together, it brings up fear. And the fact that I believe in the Denver metro region, there's a strong relationship. I believe there's a strong relationship between the um, African-American community, the African community, the Muslim community, and the Jewish community. Um, when you ever you hear about an atrocity that has happened overseas between our, our Muslim brothers and sisters and our Jewish brothers and sisters, you see them come together and support each other. And that's that's the beauty, I believe, of our diversity in the state of Colorado and in the Denver metro region, because when these atrocities and you hear about the hate, it brings us closer together. We show love. And when we show that love, I believe it begins to diminish some of the um, hatred and bigotry that's dwelling um, around us. I, I, I love what we do here in the state of Colorado and how we bond together to fight against all these different people who are trying to carry tiki torches <laughs> and talk about we hate Jews and we hate blacks. Well, guess what? We love each other and we'll continue to fight against you and also hold you accountable when you do hate crime. But not all the people in Colorado. Lauren Boebert's in the news. Did you see oh. her lie against Ilhan Omar? And that's what I mean. Uh, if you would have talked to me Several years ago, I would have said, Ilhan Omar, boy, I don't like her, this or that. But now that she's been slammed by Bobert, I'm on her side. And she got defamed, and Bobert semi-apologized to the Muslim community. But when she implies that Ilhan Omar is part of the Jihad Squad, and when cops came running, she looked at Omar and wanted to make sure she didn't have a, a backpack on, well, that tells everybody, well... Omar wants to kill us, therefore we get to kill her. It's kind of like the defense you saw with the McMichaels, with Ahmed Arbery, and in the Rittenhouse case. Once you start talking about other people are trying to kill you, and if she has a backpack, you can shoot her because she's going to explode a device, that kind of bullshit leads to violence. I'm sorry. You know, you are a man of God and love, and I like that, and I get too worked up, but... Damn it, Bobert's from Colorado. What are we gonna do about this? We gonna we gonna first have to vote, <laughs> and I hope with the redistricting that um, we'll be able to get some people in who doesn't have those. Uh, I don't think it's possible. The redistricting won their favor. The Democrats, you know, bent over backwards to be fair, and look what it's gotten us. It's gotten us Lauren Bobert because she's an acolyte of Donald Trump, who's popular as hell, and. 
a huge part of our state geographically, the western part. It's it's shocking to me. I'm going to be extremely optimistic that she don't get real. <laughs> That's my really? hope. That, okay, that my we'll write hope. that down. Because there, <laughs> that if is this hope. isn't a breaking point, come on now. I think that um, her values and the way that um, I think that she supports and promotes some of the hate that's going on. If anybody want to talk about what's a real threat to America, let's go back to January 6th. When our... Um, when she tweeted, it's 1776. What the hell do you think that meant, Merrick Garland? Where are you? Anyway, keep going. January 6th is the, the people who believe that um, the election was stolen, the people who believe that... Um, you attack our capital and beat the police officers that's protecting the capital. And you believe that's that's the true threat to America. That's the true threat to our society. Now we can talk about some of the violence that's taking place in Aurora and this, that, the other. But let's not leave that right just yet, because those tiki torch guys in Charlottesville. Yeah. Did, didn't and they? Didn't they, with, look, didn't they look a lot like the people on January sixth storming the Capitol? I I I I think it is a a, a a a true image of the same people that attacked the Capitol on January sixth. I think that was the beginning. I think that was probably when the planning started. Oh, what's going to take place? You still got people talking about. We need to have a revolution. You need to arm up. You need to do this. And these are the people who are espousing fear. And in that fear, you have people taking, doing all sorts of crazy stuff that's producing hate, reproducing the hate I thought we were trying to eradicate. Um, okay, I, here's, I, a, here's a trivia question for you. Where did Lauren uh, Boebert get her political start? I have no idea. She came, to, she came to Aurora, Colorado to confront Beto O'Rourke, who was That's there to right. advocate right. for gun reform. And she stood up Which and gun? started saying, you ain't going to take my gun. I got Shooter's Grill. And that is right. Aurora, Colorado, where she got her start. I got a chance to meet him at the at that event right before... He walked out on the steps. Beto uh, was running for Texas governor. Yeah, that's who was running for. He was running for president at that time. Yes. And so I got a chance to meet him, got a chance to talk to him. And I was standing on the side when that, and I never put two and two together. Um, it's, it's, it's funny because she got, gets her political start with that. And, of course, all the gun rights people, which, you know, hey, I, I, Second Amendment, if, if you're safe, if you're a person that's been through training, nobody's trying to. We're trying to get the guns out of people who don't need them. And actually, I think she's one of those persons who we, who I think shouldn't be carrying so the firearms. So stipulated. <laughs> so with that stated, um, I think anybody that participated in the um, January 6th insurrection Gun rights should be taken away. Uh, I think there um, travel there should be travel restrictions, and they should be investigated as terror as domestic terrorists. What about period. what about their voting rights? 
Uh, voting rights is something that um, I, I, I cherish. Um, so I do, I, too. I, 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 went to, I, I went to Texas for Beto's March at the Texas Capitol. I saw him up close and personal. I didn't talk to him the way you did, but I'm a fan of the way he fights for gun control and for voting rights. I'm I'm a fan. Um, I think he's um, he's running in the state of Texas. I think um, his um, some of his stance on assault weapons and things of this nature is going to be a little tough in Texas because you know this is also a state that just passed some legislation that anyone can carry a gun, which I am still trying to wrap on my head around. But with that stated, um, I, I look for, I hope he has success in Texas. I think he'll make an excellent governor. I thought he would have made um, an excellent president as well. He but, needs, um, he I, needs I, some seasoning. Keep going. But but for me, for, for me who, who, who likes those individuals who, um, who I think who are passionate, who have fresh and new ideas. I think Texas, I, I hope Texas is ready to give a serious look at someone like him who I think can come with some ideas to um, balance the scale of, of conservatism in the state of Texas. I think it's overly conservative, and I think you need some people on the other side that's at the table to begin to um, – Bring that balance in the state of Texas. Here, I think here, he's here's one of those individuals. Here's the problem, which I realized when I went down to Austin. I'm not an expert, but I saw all those Confederate monuments. And oh, yes. until they get those down, it's just tough to win any part of Dixie. Although Georgia proved pivotal. And in Georgia, you know, a lot of things were happening. The McMichael case, I think yes. the country... I, I think we might have had more riots in downtown Denver, maybe some in Aurora, if that verdict would have gone the wrong way. I thought both cases turned out just right. I was a prosecutor for 16 years in Denver, and self-defense once raised, prosecutor needs to disprove that beyond reasonable doubt. They did that down in Georgia because Arbery, he wasn't a threat. He was running away. And the guy shot him three times. Rittenhouse, he should have never brought a weapon. But once he did, people did attack him. And he was scared. And at least I, I'm not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt that he wasn't scared and in fear for his life. So I, I, w I support these verdicts. What about you, Omar? I didn't support the Rittenhouse verdict for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you came to a place you have no connection to. Carried an assault. Uh, and his rifle. dad, his dad lived in uh, the city. He, he lived with his, his mom, but his dad lived in that city. He he had connections to the city. He had connections. To, so to let, let's think about this. Did, did he got? If I'm correct, and maybe you know the facts about this part. Well, I did watch him testify, else. so I'll answer as best I can. Did you watch him testify? He, I watched some of it. But from my understanding, did you of see the him facts, cry when he talked about what happened and how he felt? The uh, yeah, crime? I did. I did. And, I did, and did, I did you see. regard that as as bullshit or real? I don't know. I I can't say what his true intentions are. I do know taking a life can have a tremendous impact on um, someone. But I will say his post interviews didn't go with how he testified at that stance. His post-interviews showed me he had no remorse 
for the people that he murdered. But in regards to his testimony, he started crying. If he cried in his post interviews, I would probably take his crying more seriously. But since he didn't cry in his post interviews, I, I, I think it was just part of their tactics and strategy during the trial. With that stated, he had someone older by his gun so that he didn't have to, because I think where he lived, the gun restrictions were a little different. He comes across the state, pick up the gun, and then go say, you're going to put that. No, I, I, all I saw intention of him harming someone, when you come down there with an assault rifle, and I, 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 that was going to go bad regardless. So, I somebody's somebody's asked him to come along to guard a, a car lot. And it had been in the news that uh, places where it, it, that the police couldn't respond everywhere, so a he, made a, he made a terrible to decision to, to, to go down there and participate in that. A 17-year-old with assault rival guarding something? Without a guard card? Without any training? All that is is um, a recipe for disaster. Right. But, but, but the, the question is, once he made that terrible decision to go down there with an AR-15 on his shoulder, which should not be lawful, but it is there. He didn't even get charged with that in the end. That that should be... But what I'm saying, Omar, is once he made that bad decision to walk down the street with the AR-15, let's say it happened in Aurora, okay? Somebody comes out with an AR-15, they're walking down Havana during tense times over Elijah McClain, and can I just shoot him if he's walking down the street because he's threatening everybody? I mean, does he give up all right to self-defense once he makes that stupid move? I think, one, when the police officer saw him, they should have stopped him. They should have ID'd him. Yes. Saw that he was 17 yes. and said, hey, this is something that you don't need to be doing. I think they should have took his weapon, took him to a safe place unloaded the weapon and gave it back to him um, later on if, if, if he can legally own it, this, that, and the other. But knowing but that what was already happen. taken so, place. So once he's that, walking down that thoroughfare, can anybody kill him just because he's a I don't threat think with anybody, that AR-15? I don't, th- I don't think anybody can kill him or threaten him, but I think the fact that he's – I think people that see him with that gun – automatically feel like he's a threat. They don't right. know his intentions. And I think the fact that he has that gun was part of the things that escalated. Okay, we need to stop this guy because this guy could be a mass shooter or whichever. The police didn't do their job. The police should have stopped him. Instead of giving him water and high praise, right, they, they should have stopped him, ID'd him. Right. So and all me, these tragedies is is the guns were involved and the McMichaels yes. bringing the guns was bad. Oh, and wow. I'm on yours and Beto's side, and, and yeah. so the the person who's against us is the guy who took a lot of money from the corrupt NRA, Donald Trump. Trumpism in America, racism in America. I know you're all for love and whatnot, but God, I can't stand that man. Do you feel love <laughs> for him? I feel love for everyone. Um, I'm optimistic. I don't. I don't like his politics. I don't like his hate. But um, at the same time, he is a human being. Now, I don't want him running the United States. I don't want him to have the influence and power that he has. 
but I don't wish any harm or ill will towards anyone. Um, that's something that, you know, a lot of my friends, they say, Omar, you're just too optimistic. You can't, <laughs> you got to, you got to sometimes well, Where do you say, get that from? I love it. I wish I could have more of it. Does that come <laughs> from your faith, your spirituality, your nature, all of it? I, I was, I, I would say, honestly, I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I do believe that, um, I was raised in church. I was raised also to respect and to honor the Muslim faith because I was raised Muslim and Christian. Um, I've traveled the world, and I think I have seen the best of humanity just about everywhere I've gone. So I'm extremely optimistic that um, although we have a lot of um, things going on in our world and society that will make people question, hey, is, is life value? Do we love or to me, being optimistic, I truly believe that love can conquer all. Love can conquer hate. Love can conquer racism. Love can conquer um, just all the ills we have in our society. We just need more people to follow that prescription. If I could prescribe love to, <laughs> to balance a lot of the crazy things that's going on in society, if I could bottle it up and ship it to everyone, I would. So right now, I can only model it, show it, and live it. I love it. And I love love. Everybody does. And it's one of the most positive things I associate with the Christian religion, which I'm not a part of. But I think, gosh, if it's based on love and Jesus seemed like a loving guy, then wow. Uh, that's great, but I'm also concerned that there's a Christian religious component to Trumpism. D does that worry you? Do you see evangelicals are a big part of his base? What's going on there? As a Jew, I, I don't understand it that well. I think there's extremism in every single religion, period. I think there's an extreme, I think there's, I think there's extremism in them all. Um, I think those that follow Trump, there could be some element of Christianity there. Um, if these Which element believe, is it? I, I couldn't tell you because it's not what I. It's not the ones that I follow. I can tell you that. Um, I think there are some people who take the Bible and take Christianity and they add their own components of hate to it. And we have to also remember that. Um, there was when you talk about slavery, there was elements of Christianity there. So you know, uh, Christianity. When you began to look at um, the indigenous populations and how they were wiped out, there was some Christianity into that. But I think people take the religion and add hate. I don't think there's hate in the religion. I think it's the individuals who are out there professing to be. Um, um, professing to be experts in the field that add their own component that says, hey, you hate these people because they're not a part of us and you could treat them any kind of way. What I've learned in Christianity, the Muslim faith, and what I've even learned about Judaism, that the core component to accepting your brother and sister that's different from you is to love them, but not to treat them with harm. That's what I've been told. Maybe I've been told wrong. I don't know. But that's what I'm going to continue to follow because it makes me feel good. Yeah, the golden rule. Um, 
it's part of all those religions. It's wonderful talking to you. I love your optimism. Is America going to be okay? Is Denver? Is Aurora? I'm optimistic that everything is going to be okay. I will say we have some uphill battles. I'm not going to sit up here and be blind to that. We have uphill battles to eradicate uh, racism. We have uphill battles to eradicate hate. We have uphill battles to deal with the violence, uh, whether locally or abroad. We have some uphill battles. But I also think we have a few things in our power. One, the power to vote. I think um, when you look at the numbers of people who are not voting, we got to get those people to the polls. We got to get them passionate about casting that vote and casting that vote to um, get rid of people who espouse hate. I, I don't want Bobby to get um, whoever, uh, Bobby, whoever name. Yeah, Bobby, Lorraine Bobbitt, Lauren Bobbitt. Bobbitt. Yeah, I never made that I, connection. I, I, I'm, but. I'm up here, I'm up here uh, confusing uh, one that committed the crime. No, but it's confusing because Lauren, uh, Bobbitt's husband left his schmeckle in a place that it, it got badly damaged, and Lauren Bobbitt's yes, husband... At a bowling alley, he had some exposure problems with underage. You can Ooh. read about it. Anyway, it's, I think it's, it, it's more than Freudian that you confused Bobert with Bobbitt. I like Well, I would like for her to uh, not get reelected because we have people who will go out there and vote and begin to look at the record and say, we don't want people in office who are going to champion things that are a threat to our American values and society. Um, we have to get those people out of office, but we also have to give them something to vote for. Some people are not voting because they have given up. They said, hey, uh, I don't see where my vote is making a difference, and we have to show them where it makes a difference. And then the other prescription is that we have to begin to show on social media and uh, all over the place, we have to begin to market love like people market Nike, like people market DoorDash, like people market Amazon. We have to market love and show that we as a society is better together, locking arms to fight against all these different things. If we're able to show that, I think we can win. That's my personal opinion. I love that. Now, do you live in that new district? Are you going to run for the House? You can run for mayor again? I hear a candidate in you and a youthful spirit. You've got, if you if you lose just by a couple hundred votes, you got to go for something again, right? <laughs> That's, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. The number one thing that I've been thinking about is how do we keep this economic development center that provide excellent services for free to our community. If I can use my voice to make sure that we can keep this economic development center going in the city of Aurora, where people who are trying to open up a small business are trying to retool themselves for the workforce, if we can keep this up and going and um, provide a service to the city that is needed, I'm happy. We'll see what happens for my political future. I need to sit down with my team and figure out what the next steps. But right now, we're working on providing this much-needed service for our small businesses and for our people that need jobs and 
you know, doing our part to help the city as much as possible. You answered my question. If I was doing this in court, I'd sit down, I'd drop the mic. Because if you've got a political team, that answers the question. Team Omar, <laughs> is that what you guys call yourself? Team no, Omar. We, call, we, we don't call ourselves Team Omar. We just call ourselves we. We meaning it takes all of us and not just one person. Well, I like your enthusiasm for Aurora, Colorado, America. I like your concept of love. It's perfect on Thanksgiving Day weekend. I really appreciate the time. I'm thankful to meet you, and maybe we can meet at Meadow Hills. What do you say? I think we need to, but I think you're going to have to give me a few strokes. Oh, negotiating like already. <laughs> I did work there. I know the course pretty well. Except the city of Aurora kind of screwed it up. We'll, we'll talk while we're playing. I'll show you the holes they messed up and the ones they left alone. But, Omar, I'm going to leave you alone to enjoy your leftovers. And thanks for speaking up on a special Aurora edition of my show. It's an important city, and I wish you and the city all the best. Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Thank you for the invitation. I hope you enjoy the rest of this holiday weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book and appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Father, welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. You are the prominent attorney here to relax, tell war stories, and kick around current events. Thank you. When did you decide to become a lawyer? Well, it's just about 1978 when my basketball career ended at the Colorado College. Averaging over 20 points a game and over 10 rebounds just wasn't good enough. Of course, it was Division Three. But my grandpa Harry was a Denver lawyer, then my dad, your Zadie Sheldon Silverman, and then my brother, your Uncle Bill. What about you? Think you'll be a lawyer? 
Yes, and here's my plan. I'm going to study business legal studies at the University of Miami. Then I'm going to come back and do law school at Boulder, just like you did, Dad. Wow, that's a good plan. I like it. What What is it about being a, an attorney that you think would appeal to you? Well, I think uh, I think you just get to be a guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, which is already a big privilege. It is. First of all, thanks for doing this on the Thanksgiving weekend. I'm so thankful for you, your big brother, Ben, and our beautiful Thanksgiving dinner with the person we all are most grateful for, my wife of 27 years now, your mother, Trish. Here's to my mama. Here's to mama, Trish. Thanks, Sam. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Oh my gosh, that was pretty darn cool. Being introduced into Craig's Lawyer's Lounge by my son, Sam. My heart is full this time of year, even if my bank account is a little lower because the stock market kind of crashed. That's okay. My family is intact. Thank God. We have a lot of troubles in this world, but together with our foursome was just beautiful. My wife and I just celebrated our 27th anniversary, and I am thankful that, um, one, I'm not living in Aurora. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But Aurora has problems right now. I am serious when I say I'm grateful that I'm not working on Denver Trump radio. KNUS has become an embarrassment. Peter Boyle, Stephen Tubbs, those guys, not good people. And they've proven that with their embrace of Donald Trump and their unwillingness to confront certain obvious facts about a lot of things. Boyles did take on Corbin when Corbin went too crazy pro-Trump, but Boyles did that because he knew that he would be sued And he wanted to avoid that, and he kind of did. He kind of didn't. If you read this lawsuit, and now I've had the chance to read 2021 CV 33632. Great reading. It shows that Joe Altman, the guy who put it out there that Eric Coomer at Dominion had rigged the election against Donald Trump, And it's a ridiculous claim, born in Colorado, born against Denver's Dominion voting systems, and then perpetuated by Randy Corcoran, who circulated this bullshit through Peter Boyles, who put on Altman without any really tough questions for two straight days back in November of 2020 when it really mattered. The lawsuit spells it out. Altman got passed all around the station, and now they're getting sued. So what is their reaction? Radio silence. How about that? For a talk radio station, they can't talk about it. And you know that an edict went out, but did it go out to KOA and KHOW? No, they're all in it together. It's Denver Trump Radio. And it was illustrated the other day on... Thanksgiving Day when Peter Boyles thought, maybe I should not give this Trump audience an opportunity to throw shit at me on my own imaginary Thanksgiving Day parade. So he canceled it and he went instead to 
hey, let's just uh, talk about what we're grateful for. And who do you think his first guest was? Dick Wadhams, a guy who's been regularly guest on KHOW. Do you remember when that bullshit happened when they cut my mic in the middle of me castigating Donald Trump? Two years ago this month, that happened. And then they lied about it. They said, oh, this, that, we can't have Craig on another station. Well, John Caldera is regular with his own weekend talk show on KHOW, and then he is a regular guest to Peter Boyles just to shoot this shit, which is fine. Good for you, John Caldera. That's what I was going to do with Capitalist, be a guest with him to hopefully lead a movement against Donald Trump when his shittiness was obvious with impeachment number one that nobody wanted to talk about, especially not that weak link, Stephen Tubbs. He could not debate me, so he stopped having me on. Plus, he had a neo-Nazi producer, and they were all Trump all the time. They would not talk that impeachment. In fact, that asshole had me committed for a four o'clock spot that Thursday, what was it, November 14, 2019, and then he canceled on me. I was in the building. He said, oh, we have another event, Craig. I don't want to debate Ukrainian impeachment. And Whitland was involved, a neo-Nazi who Tubbs stood by for week after week after it got exposed that Whitland was not just mega mega, but a neo-Nazi. And there's Tubbs with that guy. Gosh, I've got some sound of Stephen Tubbs, and I've got a lot I could say about Tubbs. I'm going to say about a quarter of it, because a lot of it's attorney-client privileged. Yeah, the guy used me as a lawyer, didn't really pay me, but that's Tubbs for you. Tubbs who said, yeah, I'm going to do and say anything I need to do on 710 because I don't want to work at Lowe's, and that's what I'm qualified for. He said that on the air. The guy who would not get vaccinated, and how many people have been hurt by that? He takes up hospital beds. He almost died, and he's still anti-vax. What a schmuck, as pointed out by the Daily Beast and lots of others, and I'm going to point it out even more. What a schmuck, Stephen Tubbs. But he works for Peter Boyles, brought him over. Remember when Boyles brought Tubbs over? My God, it was a long interview. And Tubbs talked about how this lady he's with, who uh, was the victim of his domestic violence, was really victimizing him. And he had his gun put inside his mouth or his head or something, pointed at him, and then he pointed it there. All this gunplay and the lawsuit that I can't really talk about because there were civil lawsuits. And this guy has the temerity to talk about other people's civil lawsuits. But will he talk about Coomer v. Corporan? Coomer v. Salem? Cat got your tongue? Stephen Tubbs? Anyway, the guy who runs things over there is Peter Boyles. And he acknowledged the other morning Having Dick Wadhams on, Dick Wadhams, who fills in for Dan Kaplis when he's gone on KHOW, regular guest KHOW, now he's part of the, he, 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 he goes on Boyle's show, and he never confronts Boyle's about his part in the big lie, but Dick Wadhams, who I like personally, and God bless you, Dick, for being on both stations, but you go along with their bullshit that they can't talk about the big lie now or January 6th? What can they talk about? Not much, right? Anyway, you can say what you're grateful for. And then when Dick Wadhams 
is asked about uh, is asked about what he's grateful for. Listen to this sound: the exchange between him and Peter Boyles, where at the end, Wadhams wants to take another shot at the corporate types of the world, the guys who promote the big lie, like Matt Dunn, Sunday Night, Backbone Radio. He's in the lawsuit too. That whole station is, including Boyles, Tubbs, everybody in the soup as they should be. They're ruining America. And here's Dick Wadhams wants to bring it up before Boyles has to remind him, ooh, Dick, didn't you get the word? We cannot talk about that here. Then what kind of talk radio station are you? Give a listen to this. So here's one to tag on. What do we say no thanks to? Boy, Peter, I just... I'm just <laughs> I got a list. More, <laughs> I got a list. I am more more concerned about the undermining of the confidence in our American, uh, American election process. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of attention is about the election deniers or the, you know, the conspiracy theories. But the Democrats have had their share, too. I mean, and I just wish both sides would cut it out yeah. and, and, and knock off this this uh, this constant assault on the integrity of our election no. process. Yes, it needs to I'm going to have to, Doug, I, with fairness, yeah. I have to end this conversation. I'm sorry. I'm That's sorry. Right, man. Sorry, not a problem. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Happy gotcha. Thanksgiving. Thank you. Love you, brother. Okay, Peter. Thank you. I have to end this conversation. Oh, I get it. I get it. I have to end this conversation. The guy who really can never have a legitimate conversation because his ego and his bigotries are so pronounced. But now, once again, we've got the Boyle's capitulation. We can't talk about this. Then what can you talk about if you can't talk about Trump and the big lie in January 6th? Really weak over there. I'm so thankful I'm not there anymore. Boyle's, who's really a disturbed guy. And if you want to hear one broadcast, listen to my Allen Berg broadcast, because I question... Boyle's claim on the witness stand, no less, that he's a top talk radio guy in Denver, now with Berg dead. And oh, by the way, I was Berg's best friend. He wants you to believe that. And go back and listen to the episode with Stephen Singular and myself. Berg was a radio guy. After he was a lawyer, he got disbarred. That's part of his life, very interesting life. But Boyles has had only one skill. I guess he was an all-star wrestler guy, and he talks about that all the time. And most of us liked all-star wrestling when we were seven or eight or maybe 11. Then we got over it, and we stopped that carnival bullshit, phony fighting. Talk about fake news, fake everything. That's wrestling, and that's the way Boyles does that shit, and he likes fake names, even though Boyles, uh, he takes his daddy's name. But he likes Rush Limbaugh, who had different names in the radio business. And he always resented the success of people like Kaplis and me, who can make good money and afternoon drive money while we worked as lawyers, too, because he thought that was double-dipping. He didn't like us taking his advertising. Hey, this is my only gig. I got to support my family, you know, and his, he'll do anything for money, that guy. And so would Limbaugh, which includes uh, stirring up things to the detriment of society and our country. 
Limbaugh was not a good guy. Neither is Peter Boyles. Here he hosts John Caldera, who's got a weekend show on 630K How. And then he wants to talk about true talk show hosts are always divorced. Well, I guess that's not true of me, of course. I'm not a true talk show host. Never want to be judged one by that standard of Peter Boyles or Rush Limbaugh. I bring something different to the table. Even capitalists whose money he takes to do advertising... Capitalists, he doesn't even come to mind as he thinks of guys who only make their money on the radio. Here he is talking with Caldera about the radio business. And notice how it always has to involve giggling. If you want to be on the good with Boyles, you got to go along with his fake laughing. And I hate that bullshit. He was a radio guy. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't a, I'm going to show you how talk radio really works. He was a radio guy. He was a disc jockey. He was a, he'd been married, what, four or five times? He'd been to rehab. I mean, he was one of us. I'm not, I'm not making that up. I mean, I, 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 I loved the man. I thought he, was, he changed us. But the old. Do you, the, do you know the, any radio host who hasn't been divorced? I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Um, God. I don't know. I mean,. It's how many radio, no, how many even radio guys? I mean, Rick Lewis, who does mornings. Rick's never been divorced, and he does talk now. And he's yeah. Ricky's. He's a really good man. Um, Kathy Lee's never been divorced. And that about wraps it up. <laughs> um, and that brings us to Stephen Tubbs. He had many divorces, many ruined relationships through his propensities, which I can't. I don't know if I can talk about it. The guy decided to again attack me on the radio. So what can I do since I know so much? But I do know this. He was my client, but I never considered him much of a friend. No. That guy, he's not my type. And he's a shitty talk show host. And my God, to listen to him, I rarely, if ever, do. And then I'm coming home Wednesday, Thanksgiving Day weekend. And for whatever reason, I decided, uh, because Kaplis wasn't even there. I like to hear what Kaplis is talking about. Can't stand what he says. But I like to hear what decisions he makes and what I would have talked about that very day. For Tubbs, it's just, he's got no intellect. He's... uh, admitted that he's just trying to stay out of working at Lowe's because on an anti-vax mandate, he'd say, I'd comply because I need this job. And he does, but he sucks at it. He really does. When he got there and I was working at Canuas, I know what it takes to be an afternoon drive. And all he's done is copy boils and gone for a hardcore white supremacist Type audience, I can't stand that. I didn't know he was like that. I don't know him all that well, but I do know he takes after Tay Anderson and those accusations against Anderson. My God, a mental midget could have figured out that the lady who said he had 64 different rape victims, she was wacko. And yet you all gave her credit and Anderson's against you and you're against Anderson and now you're Stephen Dubs is putting down 
Pay Anderson again, giving him a turkey award. This is right when I started listening. So a lot more may have been said, but I just happened to hear this shit on Wednesday night. Listen to Stephen Tubbs, who's been arrested so many times, so many court cases, and he wants to talk shit about, about Tay Anderson, who has talked about how this false accusation has led him to contemplate suicide. Tubbs talked about that so much when he was on the radio when I was still working there, and I felt I had to listen. It was like all depression radio. I know the guy's had a rough life with all those broken relationships, relationships I expect he broke, which would make you feel even worse. But the depression, I felt he was going to kill himself on the air. And then he has the balls to make fun of Tay Anderson, who gives out a suicide hotline number and maybe messed up a digit. I don't know. And then he has some ass. Well, I don't know this new producer, but I know how it works over there. Some guy who just is paid to pile on with Joe Biden bites and he conglomerates it. This is quality of the Stephen Tubb show. And it's shitty. And here's a good illustration. Listen to this. The National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8277. Once again, the National Suicide Hotline is 800 273 8255. Remember when he gave the National Suicide Hotline? He he gave he gave the wrong number. It's like invested in me as president of the United States. I pardon you. I pardon you this Thanksgiving. Go ahead, say something. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Matt, I was thinking, Tay Anderson deserves a turkey award in, in multiple different areas, including most frivolous lawsuit filed in 2021. One million dollars. Right? I mean, but you'd think that if he was so distraught, he would have... Got the national suicide, which I, I don't, I, I've lost friends to suicide. I'm not mocking that. But you, you'd think that you'd, if this is like your cause now, I'm going to have it where I had suicidal dark thoughts and, and I don't even, I don't wish that upon him. It's, it's, that's, it's terrible. As despicable of a human being as he is, um, he's now got a kid, you know. Uh, and in, in the multitude of areas we could give Tay Anderson turkey awards, uh, he gets one. Remember, for the first time, maybe in human history, Tay Anderson became a father. He acted like he was the only one ever, ever, ever to become a father. If you're just joining us, a whole bunch of turkey awards given out so far. We've got a whole bunch to give. You can obviously weigh in. Wow. Talk about a guy with father issues. I heard him talk about it when he took over for Dan Kaplis, which really help diminish this station. At least Kaplis had some talk radio skills, or he did. And now Tubbs, the way he handles things, it's just pathetic. And it's led to diminution in that station, diminution in the Republican Party, everything. 
And I heard him talk that first day, he took over that first week about his dad who went to Vietnam and wasn't there for him. And I don't know why he gets so involved with the military. I don't know why Corcoran gets so involved with cops. Neither one of them served in the military. At least Tubbs' dad did. But Corcoran seems to me he likes that kind of organization for a constituency. And you can't help but read about the Oath Keepers and know that they draw from a certain milieu of military and law enforcement. And Corcoran's in on all this big lie in January 6th stuff. And Tubbs, is he down with white supremacy? He's down with Donald Trump and the big lie, which leads to January 6th, which leads to the lawsuit Coomer versus Corcoran and KNUS. And what has Stephen Tubbs said about that lawsuit? Cat got his tongue. Management got his tongue. Why is it nobody over there can talk about the biggest issue in the world? If you can't talk about Coomer versus Corcoran and Can US, you can't talk about the big lie. January 6th, the commission, Donald Trump and how he's ruining America is now off limits on Denver Trump Radio. See what I was talking about? My God, I got to calm down. Omar Montgomery had it right. It's all about love. I love that I'm not working there. I'm loved to be gone from these assholes, including Tubbs, who went along with Randy Corcoran when he spun that bullshit about me wearing my blue suit that I wore on CNN, and uh, I did it all on a day and engineered my own mic being cut, and Tubbs went along with it. Kirk Whitland started that. He knew what, the way I was dressed. Kirk Whitland, who became buddies with Tubbs, executive producer with Tubbs, on-air talent with Tubbs, and it turns out Whitland worshipped a guy named Adolf Hitler. And yet, when that came out, not just by Nine News, you can Google it, Kirk Whitland, Nine News, Kirk Whitland, Westward, Kirk Whitland, Colorado Springs Independent, I think it is, Kirk Whitland, uh, Colorado Medium, wherever. Just Google Whitland and find out the truth and all the connections to alternative websites where Hitler's a great guy, and he joined it, and he expressed those things, and that's the producer they assigned to me, and they want to say that I'm some guy who betrayed them? What does that say about Stephen Tubbs, a guy who I was always nice to? I try to be nice to everybody, such that he used me as his lawyer, I'm glad he didn't hire me on that domestic violence. He said afterwards that he wished he had, but I'm glad he didn't because he never paid me for prior representations. He had a bottle of vodka, doesn't count. Well, it counts. You know what? I don't want your money, and I don't want your friendship because you've exposed yourself, and you got on there with Corcoran and Whitland, and you supported the big lie. I've got that press conference that you and Chuck Bonniewell... And they all said, oh, Craig's welcome back. What a bunch of bullshitters you were. But I did not want to go and be a permanent part of you guys because you're in the tank for a guy who's helping to destroy America, Donald Trump. Donald Trump, January 6th. Oh, you can't talk about that. But you can talk about me. Call me a Benedict Arnold on a holiday weekend and say that I'm the bad friend. 
I don't think much of Stephen Tubbs. Neither should you. One of our listeners texted in. It would be funny if you gave a turkey award to one of, gosh, honest to God, hand to God, not even being funny, one of my really good friends starting in 1994. The guy used to work here. He was awesome as my friend. I knew his family, his wife, his children I watched grow up as we secured the Colorado Softball Media League Award. But they thought that I should give an award to a man who turned out to be a Benedict Arnold. And it was almost two years ago exactly. Some of you know exactly who I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, getting an honorary turkey award from the Stephen Tube Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Silverman. Please welcome to the podium the winner of the honorary, one of the honorary Turkey Award awards today, ladies and gentlemen, Craig Silverman. Hi, everyone. It's me, Craig. It's an honor and a privilege to receive this Turkey Award from my former friend, Stefan. I know most, if not all, of what I said about this station not letting me talk about Donald Trump was totally a lie. But nonetheless, I'll take this award and put it up next to my Softball Media Award as well. It's me, Craig, signing off because Blake is next with news on, on, I can't even say the call letters, that station I used to work for, 710KNUS. I kind of like that, just because it makes it easy for me to get some things off my chest. And I did. And now I'm feeling the love. I'm feeling the love for this podcast and the love for the fact that I don't have to be part of Denver Trump Radio. They've got nothing but worse. And if you think about it, and I do, when I got booted November 16, 2019, those guys met on the next day, the 17th, 3 o'clock, a meeting called by Peter Boyles. And it was Corcoran and Tubbs and Bonnie Wall, and they got together. And I guess it had to be Corcoran who came up with the fact that he saw me in some beautiful blue suit that I wore on CNN Sunday morning. So he said he must have taped it on Saturday. And then he looked for backup from Kirk Whitland, who knew that wasn't true. I wasn't wearing a tie that day or the fancy blue suit, but he lied as neo-Nazis often do against Jews. And then they were ran with that, uh, calling uh, Fox News uh, affiliated people to say, hey, Brian Stelter obviously had this range with Craig ahead of time and those conniving Jewish people. They didn't say that. 
but the bottom line is they were talking about me, and they created a lie. And the truth was, I wanted to talk with Boyles and Tubbs and in prime time where I'd been paid for many years to debate them, but they wouldn't debate on the Ukrainian impeachment. I knew why, because I would get the better of them. But capitalists wanted to debate it, and my contract allowed me for to go on any station. It was specifically written in. I was an independent contractor. So they told me they didn't like the idea. I said, well, I'm sorry. And then I told my audience, look, I'm going to go on and debate it. My contract allows it, but they may take away my job. I didn't know it would happen right then. I didn't even say capitalist or KHOW, but their interlocking relationships are well known. And Boyles never wanted to talk about impeachment one or impeachment two. Now he can't even talk about the big liar January 6th. So the point is he runs this station. Tubbs a little follower, afraid to say anything that would lose his job. But he should lose that job because he's just shitty at it. He's boring and his politics are hurtful to our community. He's not well, but I'm doing well. I've, my heart is actually full of love. And affection for my audience. I appreciate you listening. And uh, thanks for letting me finally be a guest in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. I hope that answers some things, Samuel. We'll be right back. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So... By setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaelbaileylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Hey, if you like this show, please shout it out on your Purple Apple Podcast app. 
it would be so wonderful if you would scroll down, spot that place to leave a five-star review, and your personal review. Kind words appreciated. Thanks so much. Tell your friends. Troubadour, happy Thanksgiving weekend. How are you? I'm well, Craig, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. We did it again. We made apple pies. Mine were delicious. I've got one saved for this special meal, but it was so cool to have your family involved, my family involved, picking apples. And you know what my boys did? They launched into that apple pie. They're eating the apple pie. So, but it's, how did you feel the apple pie came out this time? The the apple pie is excellent, and I think we need to do it every year there's apples. I know, but we did it a couple times. Tell everybody about the gift you got for your 78th birthday. Oh, I'm sorry. What was it? Don't rush me. All right. It was 60. How old am I now? It doesn't matter. You're not in your 70s, so it's... I think I turned 68. (laughs) And did you like my present to you? So your present was an amazing, amazing uh, invention. It was not only an apple peeler, but I also discovered having putting together and then getting an apple on it, it slices them and it cores them in one motion. I did not know it was going to be that great. I bought you the expensive one and me a lesser one. I sent mine back because yours is state of the art. And I think it really made making an apple pie kind of simple. It made it fun, that's for sure. Right. You know what's fun is your song, I Give Thanks, perfect for Thanksgiving Day weekend. How did you come up with it? It's just a song of of gratitude, song of appreciation. I think for those who listen to it, it can be be their, their God, their higher spirit. And, uh, you mean when you say, I give thanks to you? Yes, I say, I give thanks to you. I thought it was to me. Well, it could be to you, too. I thought it was maybe to your daughters. Who's singing in the background there? That's Rachel. Oh, my gosh. She's like an angel again. Rachel sang beautifully on that song. And uh, the meaning of it is fantastic. Uh, I just thought that you uh, captured a lot of things when you're drawn from a well. That's a go-to about carrying water in your life, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The stories you tell, and then you talk about freedom. I love that. You don't often get in political concepts, but the bell of freedom, and I kept waiting for a bell. Did you think about it? Um, I I may have thought about that, but, you know, you have to measure those things. You you don't want to be, you don't want to be tacky. (laughs) I know, but but you also reference a blues guitar and what happens after that. Then I play that blues guitar. Right. So maybe I could be part of a song and just ring a little bell. I could give you a triangle. Right. Just I'm saying one little instrument, I could do that, but your song is beautiful, but... And I think it's original, but the concept, not exactly original. How many different songs can you think of that express gratitude? Well, um, I'll have to get back to you on that. But well, I mean, and Natalie Merchant, kind and generous. Right. Well, thank you, thank you. Right, not a ton. It's true. What about Andrew Gold? Thank you for being a friend. You've heard that one. Right. Thank you for letting me be myself. Sly and the Family Stone. Sly, now you're, now you're getting it. Yeah, yeah. What about ZZ Top? 
Let's see. What did they... You didn't have to love me like you did, but you did not. Thank you. There you go. It's pretty huh? good. You're All just right. drawing them from the top of your head. That's no, great. I, I researched this okay. stuff. And uh, Kelly Clarkson, thankful. Celine Dion has a thankful song. Alanis Morissette, that wacky one that starts with her getting off of antibiotics and it goes crazy from there. But right. that's, that's titled Thank You with the, the big letter U. Right, right. And Dido, she's got that song, Thank You. So, um, so you see, I'm just one in a No, lot. but yours is the Illustrious best. I think there is. And, and wait, I looked up the title of yours, I Give Thanks. A lot of religious songs. But then you're telling me your song is religious? Well, it could be religious. I've Spiritual. Never, I've think, never heard it sung in the show. I think of it as, as uh, there's always room for another good <laughs> good tune in the show. Yeah, give it a decade or two. I don't. I haven't heard reggae in, in uh, Temple yet, but the time could no, come. No, but it's a beautiful song. Let's talk about our justice system. I think it worked. I think Rittenhouse... Even though I don't like him, I can't stand that he was celebrated at Mar-a-Lago. But the guy should not have been found guilty because, as I told you last week, once he raises affirmative defense, self-defense, the prosecutor had to disprove that beyond a reasonable doubt. And they didn't say the Rittenhouse was innocent. They say not guilty, not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And I can live with that, and America can with the killing of Ahmad Arbery, that guy should not have been shot dead, and a jury so found, and 11 whites, one black. I think that would have been problematic if those three vigilantes were not convicted, but they were, and the jury system works. What do you think, old layperson Dave Gunders? Uh, another reason to give thanks. I think it would have been um, a terrible miscarriage of justice and... Um, also, misreading of of the concept of self defense, um, I, I think this country would have absolutely gone. I, I don't know. We would have come apart at the seams. I think if this one had had turned, if they had acquitted those men. I mean, they chased this man down and killed him, and calling that self defense. Talk about a reach. Those guys were murderers. I admired the prosecutor. I can't think of her name right now. It's long, complicated, but she's a seventeen year veteran. I think a big city prosecution, and it showed. She was a major leaguer. She took it on, and you know what? There are big civil cases worth billions of dollars, and they fight it out here, there, everywhere. But is there anything more intense than a courtroom battle? I was lucky to have my family around. I said, they have a verdict. Let's watch this. It's so much more than a Super Bowl, right? These three are going to prison for the rest of their life. And nobody knows what's going to happen. It's such a human process, and I do it for a living, and I still can't believe how dramatic it is. Can you imagine? Well, I think the fact that you're excited about it um, tells me that you shouldn't retire. And, and it also tells me that I see, I see why you were drawn to the law. I mean, it is. You get excited about it, and it's true. It's dramatic. Hey, right. It's not like I can sing or anything like that, but I do like to express myself. And it's good to go to a mother of an Ahmed Arbery and say, you know what, ma'am? Something terrible happened here, but I'm from the government. I'm going to help. You don't have to pay me a dime. I think it was bullshit what happened to your son. I'm going to prove it in a court of law. Watch me do it. And then they put their trust in you. 
and you get it done. And my hat's off to that prosecutor in that case. She she was fantastic, just like you are, Troubadour. I appreciate you, especially on Thanksgiving weekend, and we've talked about it. Uh, I want to thank you for being a good friend for another great year. Uh, that Federico Pena episode, Allen Berg, it's really been something lately, don't you think? Yes, a lot of rich content. I have to admit that I fell I fell short of listening to the Allen Berg, but I but I will I will grab him. I am going to uh, go on vacation with my wife tomorrow, and I, one of the things I want to do is listen to the Allen Berg. Oh, interview. it it is, and I'm going to bring more to that because people have come out of the woodwork to talk to me about Allen Berg, and I'll have exciting developments perhaps to bring to you on these airwaves, but. Every week we have another song by our troubadour. We're back to an original composition. I Give Thanks is a special song. Here's a spoiler and a warning. If you listen to this song, you may be singing it for a while. It's a beautiful song. I Give Thanks by our troubadour, Dave Gunders. in light Cool rays of sunset It fills my eyes So my brain will not forget And I give thanks to you all around me I hear the sound
life I'm given And the bells of freedom When you've been practicing law for almost 40 years like me, you learn a thing or two. If you have a legal problem, give me a call, 303-861-2800. At Springer and Steinberg, we do all kinds of law. Call me, 303-861-2800. We will help solve your problem. Thank you. Hey, didn't I tell you that Dave Gunder's song is just wonderful for this holiday season? I give thanks to you. And when I say that right now, I'm talking about people who listen to my podcast. And uh, it really means a lot to me. There's a lot of people competing for your audio attention. I do think you'd do a favor for somebody you like if you said, hey, listen to this. Did you hear what Craig said about this, that, or the other? Maybe you know somebody who likes Aurora. I like Aurora. I wanted to do well. This show dedicated to Aurora. My heart is full of thanks to my troubadour, our troubadour, Dave Gunders. I give thanks to you, my good friend. And then Omar Montgomery, a new friend. What a great interview. I like his attitude of love. I did not feel the love for Stephen Tubbs. Never really have. He was okay. We did play on a winning softball team. But the reality is that Tubbs, he's the guy who proved himself to be a bad person, bad friend. And uh, I'm glad for the opportunity to fire back in my own little way with his own little voice. And then there's Peter Boyles. I think Peter Boyle should get what's coming to him, which is he turned Denver Trump Radio into a terrible place when he sold his soul. And it's disappointing that people like him and his bigotries and his mobsterism have turned a medium that I liked a lot, talk radio, into something unrecognizable and not fun, not good, not healthy. But this show is healthy, and I hope you enjoyed healthy and happy Thanksgiving Day weekend 2021. Signing off for now. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.